0: Welcome to On the Middle East, our monitor's podcast on the big stories in the region. My name is Ambran Zaman and today I'll be discussing Syria's return to the Arab League. The country's strongman Bashar al-Assad will take his seat alongside fellow Arab leaders in the coastal city of Jeddah in Saudi Arabia on Friday after more than 13 years of isolation over his brutal suppression of the 2011 uprising, which descended into civil war. Millions were displaced and thousands of Syrian civilians were killed and tortured by regime forces. There are few signs that Assad is willing to change. However, several Arab nations have decided to mend ties with the Syrian leader in a bid to counter Iran's growing influence in the country. So what does this mean for Syria's Kurds, who chose what they called a third way and refused to fight the regime, focusing instead on building their own autonomous administration in North and East Syria, that is known as ANES for short. The Kurds enjoy military protection from some 900 US special forces stationed in their region. But for how long? With that in mind, the ANES has reached out to Damascus in the hopes of cutting a deal. With us here today to discuss these developments is Salih Muslim, the co-chair of the Democratic Unity Party, which shares power in the Kurdish-led entity. So welcome to our programme Mr. Muslim, it's great to have you back here again.
1: Uh, hello, regards to all of you and all your uh, followers and uh, listeners. Thank you very much.
0: So tomorrow is a big day for Syria. Well, at least for a part of Syria, the regime held Syria, because uh, Bashar al-Assad is being formally accepted back into the Arab League. Um, What does this mean for the Kurds in northeast Syria and the broader um, region that's under the ANES control? Uh,
1: Well, uh, of course, we are also following what's going on around, and uh, especially between the Syrian regime and the Arab countries. Uh, We are not bothered from the Arab relations with the regime at all. Um, opposite of that, I mean, from the beginning of Syrian conflict, we tried to, uh, to take the Syrian issue to the Arab League. Uh, but we uh, failed, we couldn't do it because of the regime that it accepted and the opposition also refused to do so. But now, after 12 years of this killing and destroying Syria, um, they will come to the Arabs, I think, I think it will be better, but it shouldn't be without uh, any conditions. And there should be some conditions, at least, I mean, uh, to ask the regime to respect the Syrian people and the Syrian, uh, I mean, um, people with their, uh, all, uh, I mean, um, ethnically and the believers and all, all the Syrian components to be accepted i mean otherwise it wouldn't help uh, anything but for this meeting it means uh, i think uh, if we think in the other way i mean from the arab views uh, from the beginning all these countries they were against the syrian regime and this left the syrian regime alone so uh, there, there there was kind of a vacuum, which benefited, Iran has benefited from it, and the Turkey, and the others, but the Arabs were away. At the last, I mean, uh, they found that it's not uh, good for them, I mean, to leave Syria with the others' hand, so they should do something. And the beginning is to make the relations between the Arab countries and the Arab League with the Syrian regime, so maybe they can be helpful. Uh, And I think this is the right way to do it. Uh, From our side, I mean, um, the administration here, the Democratic administration in northeast of Syria, they issued, uh, uh, I mean, a statement saying that uh, they welcomed, I mean, this uh, step for Syria, but um, of course, I mean, also they asked uh, uh, for the Arab countries and the Arab League to ask the regime or to put the conditions uh, for democracy and freedom and uh, to respect the Syrian people. So I think if they do it, it will be okay. So uh, it depends on uh, uh, how they are going to deal with the Syrian regime from now on, I mean.
0: Right. But I mean, politically, they've already taken that step. He's back in the league without him having made practically, well, he's made no changes whatsoever. And you have uh, recently put out a declaration outlining how there can be peace between uh, the northeast Syria and the regime and citing several conditions uh, for such a peace to be achieved. And Have you had any kind of response to that declaration so far from the Syrian regime or for from any of the Arab League countries that have been pushing for a reconciliation with Syria for
1: that matter? Well, uh, actually, officially we didn't receive any any response to to our declaration. Um, But um, uh, we reached to all of them, all of them, I mean, even the... Uh, the people in the Arab League and all the countries and the uh, the all the Arab countries. I mean, we we are sure. I mean, they have received it, and also for the regime, they have received it. Uh, within th- Syria, we received the answers from uh, many political parties, uh, from the opposition, and uh, which some of them are still living in the in the regime areas and uh, the others, and even from outside. So they welcome such a step, I mean, for this uh, declaration. Uh, But we need, I mean, this is not enough, of course. I mean, we are still contacting them because uh, when we issued, I mean, this declaration, it wouldn't uh, such uh, accept or not accept, not like that. Uh, is the open the door for any discussions any dialogue for all the sides and we are still doing so I mean in uh, any platforms in, in Europe and uh, even in Syria and internally with our people uh, we are discussing it and uh, everybody looks it's it's a positive step but as a result we till now we don't have uh, any, I mean, official response to it from the regime or from the others. But I think uh, this is not the way, I mean, to have uh, the response directly. It should be matter for discussion in some conferences or some uh, uh, platforms, political platforms, I mean, to be discussed and agreed or not, maybe because we have many Uh, platforms in Europe and so uh, such uh, the opposition, democratic opposition and so on. And I think uh, this is open the way for uh, discussion over there. It will be a good step if they discuss it and they at that time maybe they can issue uh, I mean statements about it. So it's a kind of way to make a pressure on the Syrian regime and uh, on all the sides involved in the Syrian issue
0: but of course you have some leverage i mean well first of all you've been controlling a very a large uh, portion of syria that controls that contains most of its uh, strategic economic assets the oil uh the cash crops are all grown in the areas under your control and of course the regime is in desperate financial straits so you know the fact that you have control over these resources gives you leverage as i said and all the more so because you have uh, u.s forces stationed in your area who provide you with military protection um, do you feel that you can use that leverage effectively uh, to get some kind of an agreement with the regime to get some concessions and that in that respect you will get the backing of some of these? key Arab actors like the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt?
1: Well, we are ready to discuss it. I mean, even for this, uh, I mean, the the oil and other things in our area, we said it's for all the Syrian people. But it should, how how you can, I mean, distribute all this for all the Syrians. It should be a matter of discussion. I mean, we should find a way to reach to everywhere, to, I mean, to to let everybody to get benefit from what we have in hand. And also we should benefit from the other areas. So it needs uh, sitting and discussing and dialogue. Maybe we can find, uh, I mean, a result for that. We cannot uh, tell the regime to come and control everything without as nothing happened. Uh, And nobody can enforce us to do it also because we know what happened before. It wasn't equally and it wasn't fair, I mean, for all the Syrians. The regime was controlling maybe uh, the, this oil for decades and nobody knew where, where it's going. At least, I mean, we should get benefit from what we have in our land, in our areas, and from the other sides also. So this is uh, a discussable matter. So it's not... Uh, i think maybe black or white no we can discuss with everybody even with the united nations if they want to to find a, a fair solution
0: part of the problem though is that you know on the one hand the united states has been encouraging you to come to some kind of an agreement with the regime yet at the same time publicly says it's opposed to engagement with the syrian regime we just saw the Congress. Um, write and uh, uh, pass an amendment, rather, you know, um, sort of again underlining their opposition to any kind of uh, dealings with the regime, and you know, pressing for more sanctions. So how do you square that circle? Because on the one hand, the Americans give you protection; uh, on on the other hand, they are not apparently interested in engaging with you politically. They say don't deal with the regime, but then privately they say, you know, get what you can out of them. Isn't that all a bit confusing? And how do you sort of manage that situation?
1: Well, I think this is different things. I mean, now why United States is here, uh, of course, course, I mean, United States is a part of uh, the international coalition against Daesh. So this is the point one point, I mean, and we are still doing that. I mean, we are fighting against Daesh together. We are partners uh, for this uh, thing. But the others, I mean, what we are trying to do, and we are our, even in the past, there were some contacts with the regime. It came in the the frame of the 2254, I mean, uh, which is the um, uh, international or United Nations uh, decision, I mean. Uh, so resolution. I mean, it's according to that. Is that in the, that frame? And uh, I mean, United States and our even the coalition forces. Nobody uh, tried to to affect us to to say uh, you are doing so and so. I mean, to detect us what to do. They never done it. I mean, because it's uh, we are moving uh, within this. Uh, I mean, the international. Uh, I mean, resolution. 2254 and we are trying to find solution and our discussions with the regime and with the other sides all in in this uh, i mean uh, this frame so is something different i mean fighting the the terrorism together partnership for fighting daesh is something but for the solution and looking for the solution and attempt to find a solution with it in syria without the within the United Nations. Resolution is something different, I think.
0: But um, the other problem, of course, is that now that he's back in the Arab League, uh, Assad is feeling even stronger and probably even less inclined to make any concessions. How do you deal with that situation? Well,
1: there are two points. One of them, this Arab League, is established since 1946. They never solved any issues for the Arab world since then. This is one. And the second thing, I mean, there are even, I mean, because there are a lot of issues. I mean, not only the Syrian issue. We had, I mean, uh, Libyan issue, we had the Yemeni issue, we had Lebanese issue, and the Syrian issue is one of them. um, It's like it's not enough. Now we have a uh, Sudanese is issue, too. So, this is the problem. So, those, uh, the miserable Arab League, which issue is going to solve? So, maybe they wouldn't be effective even for the Syrian resolution. But it's keep the way to be helpful. I mean, some Arab countries, I mean, like Emirates and Jordanians and so on. maybe they can be helpful with the Syrian people, I mean, including this administration to do something. And we are not against them. I mean, we are trying. I mean, especially, I mean, for these tribes, Arab tribes, which we are living together, and so, on. I think it's the way to have, even for the Arab, uh, I mean, um, uh, people. I mean, in those countries, alongside with us, to to find to be helpful for find the solution. I mean, for for the regime. So we still believe i mean the syrian regime or the, the Basist regime is not representing all the syrians and this is how the arab looks into the issue but because of their relations they have they didn't have relation office and relation with the regime they couldn't even contact the the syrian people but now is the door open for them to to contact them and we will be helpful for that Instead of uh, Turkey and Iran and the other to be involved in in the Syrian regime, so we are ready to discuss it with, uh, with the Arab world, with the Arab, which they understand. I mean, us very well, and we understand each other. I mean, so I think uh, there is um, is not against any democratic solution in Syria.
0: This brings me to the other uh, point you mentioned that you know, the riches that you control, the uh, resources belong to all of the Syrian people. Uh, Now, there's a part of Syria that's also under the control of the Sunni uh, rebel groups, uh, much of which is also occupied by Turkey. And these groups are extremely hostile to your administration and, in fact, are uh, fighting Uh, the SDF and helping Turkey uh, sort of launch its attacks against you. How do you deal with that? Because after all, if you're going to have peace in Syria, obviously it has to be with all the components. Uh, And we know that Turkey is extremely hostile to your administration. At the same time, we know that the Russians in particular And perhaps to some extent, uh, the uh, Emiratis are pushing for reconciliation between Assad and Turkey. And we've had all these meetings between defense ministers, foreign ministers, and possibly after the elections in Turkey between Assad and Erdogan. Um, How do you deal with that?
1: Well, I think uh, if we can ensure the Turkish withdrawal from, from these areas, everything will be all right. I mean, there will be no problem to find a solution with the other groups. Even, I mean, we know, I mean, the groups are located in this area you are talking about. Um, most of them are remains of Daesh and remains of uh, al-Nusra and al-Qaeda and so But they cannot do anything without the help and the protection from Turkey. Turkey is trying to feed them uh, to power them, to give them, weaponize them, and to use them for its purposes. And one of these purposes is to attack the uh, Kurdish area, to make the demographic changes, and so on. So. And I think uh, even the relations with the Arab countries will be helpful for this matter also. Maybe they can tell Turkey to, uh, to withdraw their, their troops from these areas.
0: When you say we can be helpful, do you mean that you could even deploy your forces against those groups, notably Hayat Tahril al-Sham, which is the most powerful, the most um, influential, I guess, group in that area who's proved to be extremely resilient? Do you f- foresee um, a role for yourselves militarily against those groups in conjunction with Syrian Arab army forces and probably Russian forces as well.
1: But still, I mean our forces are defense forces. They we can defend the our community and our people and the Kurdish areas where they are. And even for democratic Syrian forces, uh, there are defense units. They are defense forces, not attacking forces to anybody. But if they try to attack our areas, of course we'll defend ourselves. I think, I mean, there will no be any agreement with the Daesh remains, for example, and for Nusra remains, because all of them, they have attacked our areas before uh, to go to the, those areas under the protection of, of Turkey. They were fighting in our areas. They fought in Kamishli, they fought in, in Deir Ezzor, in Raqqa, in Kobani, before Daesh, and then Daesh came and fought, also they fought, and all remains of those, I mean, uh, which we call them mercenaries of Turkey, and now they are collected in that area. So I think this should be solved also. I mean, if Turkey withdraws, maybe they should think what to do with those. I mean, to take them with them, or to leave them, or de de weaponize them, I mean, take the weapons from them, and I think uh, at the end they are Syrians, I mean, maybe if... uh, there is no effect by Turkey and no uh, maybe Turkish help. Uh, they wouldn't. Uh, well, there wouldn't be any any fight. But if they try to attack our areas by Turkey or by the others, at, the, at that time we will defend ourselves. I think.
0: Well, Turkey just had an election, and President Erdogan won in the first round. And a lot of people seem to think that he will probably prevail in a second round in May 28. Now, that's obviously bad news for Rojava, correct? And it lessens uh, the probability of a Turkish withdrawal, correct? And increases the probability of further attacks against Rojava,
1: right? Well, uh, it's not only bad for Rojava. I think it's, it's bad for for everybody in the Middle East and all the people. Uh, as you know, I mean, Turkey has, uh, I mean, uh, lost everything. I mean, the economically, politically, diplomatically with the others and even uh, in, in the social life in Turkey and everything is destroyed. And uh, the cost is uh, this regime because they are insisting on the war to fight everywhere and uh, especially against the Kurdish people. So it, it doesn't mean, I mean, it's a bad news for the Kurdish people. The K- Kurdish people, they used, I mean, to fight and they are fighting since uh, a years. I mean, especially from eight years till now, uh, which I mean, I mean, 2016 till now in Rojava. Uh, we are trying to fight the uh, Turkish uh, sometimes directly, sometimes, I mean, by their, uh, I mean, uh, mercenaries and so. But this fight is, is harming everybody, I mean, especially for the Turkish people. And politically, I mean, for the Syrians, for, for the United Nations, and for, for everybody. And just because what he's uh, trying to protect or defending, I mean, the Taliban mentality, the Daesh mentality, what he is doing. I mean, look at the propaganda, what he was doing during the uh, the elections. Don't forget, I mean, the Turkish troops, are in Azerbaijan, they are in Libya, they are in Somalia, they are everywhere, I mean, spread around. And I think the big dangerous, um, by this mentality, by Erdogan, is on the European countries. So I think um, it's it's a disaster for everybody, I think. It's not only for the Kurdish people or Rojava alone.
0: Your border with uh, Iraqi Kurdistan has remained sealed. Uh, What is the reason for that? And what impact is this closure having? And do you have any sense of when the border may be reopened? And do you see a connection between that closure and the elections in Turkey?
1: Well, I think so, because of their relations with the Turkey, maybe they, they try to to ma- make themselves, I mean, uh, more sincere with the Turkey to show them, you are pressurizing, we are pleasurizing. And maybe the reasons, uh, I mean, it, it couldn't be justified, I mean, to keep the c- civilians, I mean, to to go through this border for the hospitals and uh, even injured people during the fighting and so on. And to, to cut the all the, I mean, uh, this matters for, for Syrian people, I mean, sugar, rice, and whatever it is, I mean, and daily needs for the people. So it's not fair, I mean. If we are talking about the maybe PYD and so members to go and come, already, I mean, they were doing this since maybe two, three years. They are not allowing anybody from, from us to go through uh, I mean, KRG to Europe or to come, they don't allow them. So it's not a matter of us; it's a matter of the civilians. So they are mean, mean, they are punishing all these people. I mean, and not and not only the Kurdish people, the Arabs and the other I mean uh, components living with us, because now everybody is affected.
0: But at the same time, we are hearing that one of the reasons is that you did not allow members of the Kurdish opposition. The KNC to travel to um, Iraqi Kurdistan for an event in Barzan, the opening of a museum by Masoud Barzani, and that this was retaliation for that action. Is there any truth to that?
1: Well, I don't know really, because this is a, a kind of excuse, because even before, I mean, the administration, sometimes they allow, they don't allow, it's something different but what we were asking from the beginning uh, to keep this uh, uh, gate or this pass pass i mean uh, between us and them we, without any political reasons you know, to be to um, get away from the politics i mean it's just because because it's humanitarian case
0: are you concerned that this border closure may also be connected to a possible turkish um, attack. Uh, that they're getting all the NGOs, all the foreigners out in advance of another attack on Rojava.
1: Well, uh, we we are not. But it's, it's, I mean, we have a right to think in this way because even the attacks before um, the attack starts, they closed all these gates and uh, even from the Syrian regime side and so. And we now are facing the same situation because the Syrian border also with uh, our areas was closed, I mean, time ago. So we don't know. And I mean, as you know, I mean, some uh, parts of of Aleppo and so with the Kurdish located area, they are under the siege by the regime also. So there are pressure from two sides from the Syrian regime, one side, and from the Turkish from the other side, KRG from the uh, in this gate. It's so a pleasure from everywhere.
0: Well, hopefully the pressure will ease um, soon. Uh, thank you very much for being with us here today and hope to uh, see you soon again in Rojava when the border opens.
1: Thank you. Thank you. The last word, I think. We have nothing to do other than to defend our dignity. That's all, all what we can say. Thank you very much for you.
0: Thank you. And this brings us to the end of this week's On the Middle East. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Saleh Muslim. And I do apologize for the quality of the sound. But uh, the internet isn't working all that well in northeast Syria, and I'm sure you can imagine why it's a conflict zone. Do join us again in our next On the Middle East podcast. Until then, thank you and goodbye.